Empire. Golf simulation has changed dramatically. So now users can install this in their house and they can play and practice and get all those uh, metrics that really kind of define golf in terms of how far the ball goes, how fast the ball goes, vertical launch angle, backspin, side spin, club head speed, and you know, club head speed relative to ball speed. That's Mason Jones, head of marketing for True Golf, for a company that has grown with the game for decades. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. This is a family-owned business that has watched a sport innovate on the equipment side to modern technology, including simulation. Things have changed dramatically, and they want to be at the forefront of all of it. Our guest this week is Mason Jones. He's the head of marketing at TrueGolf, which is a company that's been around since the early 1980s, an innovator in the golf industry with simulation engines, video game design, hardware solutions, esports platforms. Let's talk about modern golf from 50 years ago to now with Mason Jones. Hey, Mason, how are you? Graham, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. This is a legacy company that's been innovative. I would imagine um, you've seen the world of golf change in your lifetime. Could you kind of just broadly, when we before we get into some of your initiatives, talk about where golf was and, and where it is now? Definitely. So I would say kind of the biggest changes we're seeing is the technology that helps change the equipment, right? All you hear about is the distance debate and how far the ball is going. And a lot of the way that's proved is with launch monitors and technology that they really didn't have. I mean, the science behind how far the ball goes, where the ball landed and why it does it is actually a pretty kind of recent innovation considering the sports history. So in terms of the broadcast, obviously the tracer technology on TV and all the way down to how clubs are fit. Now we have this launch monitor technology that's really driving not only the viewer experience, but how you, the user at home, gets fit for equipment, all the way to how OEMs build equipment for you, the user at home. So it's a lot. There's a lot happening here. Um, When did you see this change? When was the seed change for all the science and technology to kind of take over all of these different items that you're talking about? Kind of trickled down and a lot of this technology has been around for a long time but it's improved and it's kind of become totally part of the broadcast so you know i would say honestly kind of the 2000s until now what we're trying to do on television and what people are doing with this technology on television is really um trying to provide some context the game is so big the field where golfers play is so big that anything we can do to give you a little bit more perspective on you know 182 mile an hour ball speed off the tee relates to how far. And so it's, you know, 300 yard drives and all of a sudden people at home are getting a better understanding um, of what great athletes these are that they're watching on television and how that relates to these huge, enormous play fields where they're competing on. Yeah. And then um, to what degree is it important to try to make it relative to the average golfer as you know many of the people who watch this sport which is what makes it very unique to other professional sports are people that actually play it and in some cases can play it at a pretty high level not that level but a pretty high level how do you think about making the information you provide relatable to golfers yeah obviously golf is the one sport really without bifurcation so 
you can go to any golf shop, you can purchase a driver, and you can see your numbers relative to what they are on the PGA Tour. So um, there are a lot of folks who can achieve pretty high ball speeds, but, you know, the control may not be there. So what we really like to do is providing the context to show that at the level these guys are playing and where they can put the ball, how high they're putting the ball, the control that they have on the ball, you know, the launch parameters may not be totally different from yours. Obviously, there are high-level collegiate golfers, and then there are professional golfers all the way down to the, you know, guy who can't break 100. Um, but it does provide the context that this is the – that's what makes golf beautiful, right, is that we're playing the same equipment. We can even go play the same venues. Obviously, I can't go to Madison Square Garden and shoot free throws, <laughs> but I can go play Chambers Bay, right? And so yeah. I can have some idea of how hard I hit the ball, how far I hit the ball in relation to the best players on the planet. You might get into Madison Square Garden. You just won't be shooting free throws with Kevin Durant standing next to you. That's that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> you might. Um, so, okay. I want to ask a vague question, though. I'll get into some of these initiatives or a broad question for you then. Since you follow all this information, in your mind, what is the difference between a professional golfer on the PGA Tour and a really, really, really good golfer who just can't crack the pro type ranks what is there a metrics that stand out to you through all these years of kind of following um what happens in the sport you know it really just is fractional it really is half a shot here half a shot half a shot there and um, it's the on television they use the strokes gained metric and it's just these pros just really do not give up those half fractional strokes over the course of 72 holes that the guy who just can't break the tour does and again, the tournament being 72 holes, these fractional errors, and we're not talking about a big noticeable one. It's just putting the ball in the wrong spot at the wrong time, resulting in a half stroke penalty. And over 72 holes, those just add up. And when you get really, really talented golfers, um, you know, they're subtracting half a stroke on the field against professionals. Mm. So the gap really is, you know, it probably isn't noticeable. Um, but mathematically, just over 72 holes, you really begin to see it. Okay, so let's talk about some of the stuff that True Golf is doing. Um, you're launching a new simulator. You want, you want to talk about that a little bit, like what's coming here? All right, so True Golf this September is launching the Apogee Launch Monitor, and the Apogee Launch Monitor measures club and ball data. So now users can install this in their house, and they can play and practice and get all those uh, metrics that really kind of define golf in terms of how far the ball goes, how fast the ball goes, vertical launch angle, backspin, side spin, club head speed, and, you know, club head speed relative to ball speed. And we also have our E6 Connect software, which is a 3D simulation software. So you pair the Apogee Launch Monitor with E6, you can play 3D recreations of the most famous courses in the world. Huh. That's really cool. Like, like how does that... How does it work? Could you could you kind of explain to me? Um, could you just kind of give me a sense of what that would be like? You're taking swings, and all of a sudden, it's placing you in a way that you feel like you're playing Augusta or Pebble Beach. Yeah, so we use photometric technology, so these high speed cameras capture that data, and then it sends it to our 3D simulation, and that 3D simulation is built on lidar data. So the courses are basically complete recreations of their actual physical counterpart. So everything is to scale, everything is modeled, and it's this first-person perspective. So you can stand on the tee box of any of the courses we offer in our software, and you really get the sense and depth of how big the field that you're playing on is, and you know the trees, 
the bunkers, the green, everywhere is exactly where it would be in real life. That's wild. Um, and then how do you, I guess what, putting goes along with this too? You can simulate that, is that correct? Yep, absolutely. So we actually get a higher resolution of terrain data for the greens to perfectly match that undulation. And then just the same way, our Apogee technology sits above the golfer and you roll the ball and then we take that trajectory data from the putt and then we input the, we input the speed as well as the direction to perfectly kind of match that rolling undulation that you would find playing the real course. So the goal here, obvious, look, I mean, like obviously to have the simulation, it's to get better to play at playing golf. Um, but what you're describing here gamifies it and turns this into something um, that could be a league. Is that correct? Are you trying to build something where people are competing against one another through this platform? Absolutely. So I, the core mission at True Golf is that we believe golf is for everyone. And with the right access point, whether it's green grass, indoor golf, or video game golf, we can make anyone a golfer for life. So the core of what we've always done since 1982 is build simulation software. And what we try is to improve the uh, availability of golf at a high level for users. So whether it is our Apogee launch monitor where users put this in their home and they're physically playing golf and we're plotting the trajectory data in our 3D simulation, or we're doing PC games, what we have the option to do is it's, the software is hardware agnostic. So it works with golf simulators, it works with PCs, you know, and it works with kind of low cost, like we golf simulation um, tools as well. And it's also cross platform. So at some level, we have people competing on golf simulators playing against people who are playing PC games. Obviously, we can break that up. That's not totally fair, but that's what's available to us right now. That's wild. Um, do, do you envision this as a tour? that there's a simulated tour that's happening that is shared via social media or some kind of platform? We absolutely do envision it to be a tour. We think that virtual golf is the future of the game. And, you know, since 1999, we've really felt that indoor golf, it plays faster and it scales better than outdoor golf. And with water restraints and, you know, building new public courses isn't feasible. So we've always felt that the next step in the evolution of golf is meaningful indoor golf. And we really feel like the only way for indoor golf to be meaningful and retain users, both new users and, you know, green grass diehard guys, is to have a live tour of virtual golf where people compete in a meaningful way, huh. and even when practice. This episode is brought to you by Chalk and Dog, which brings together the vast experience and expertise of two of the brightest agencies in media, sports, wagering, and gaming. With deep roots in the UK and the US, the agency offers expert guidance in everything from market entry to market expansion for startups as well as established global brands powered by best-in-class communication and creative experts. Chalk and Dog has vast international experience and delivers results-oriented, tailor-made solutions for B2B and B2C organizations. Most of this would happen in your house, you know, if you have the room and the space to do so. Do you envision this being part of a brick and mortar type of venue? I mean, it's not top golf because that's literally outside, but how do you kind of view that? Do you do you see this in that form too? Yeah, so 
In 2021, about 37 and a half million Americans played golf, and this was both on and off the course. So uh, 12 and a half million people played golf exclusively off the course. So that's a simulator, a driving range, an entertainment range. And so what we're really seeing is um, this appetite for a non-traditional golf experience exploding. And so from the indoor golf uh, point of view and true golf, and what we're seeing is more and more people buying simulators, opening up indoor golf facilities. When we first started doing this, those people were doing high-end training academies. Yeah. But now really what we're seeing are people opening brick-and-mortar golf simulator-specific venues for people to come play. And what we're really noticing about this is the availability of golf has been huge in their success. And so obviously in Utah, it snows. So half the year, you can't play green grass golf. So this is kind of a release valve for people who want to go and want to compete. And so that we feel like the league is going to be a really nice uh, bow on this package, really, because people obviously want to golf. They love golf. Golf has been around forever and people can't get enough of golf. The PGA Tour season year long, right? And so what can we do to get people playing? And so these brick and mortar solutions get people in when they otherwise couldn't. And then this tour gives them a reason to keep coming back. Mm, that's interesting. Okay. With the information that people get by using all this equipment and technology, how do they then translate that into improving their games? Well, with the Apogee launch monitor, we actually have our point of impact replay. And the point of impact replay is a slow motion, high definition, scrubbable video of the club and ball impact. And we worked with the 2011 PGA National Teacher of the Year, Mike Malaska, and his big point to us was people need to understand what the club head is doing. And so now what people with our technology, they're able to see how their swing translates into contact with the ball. At the end of the day, that's all that matters is how well you put the club face on the ball. And that controls side spin, that controls distance. And so we looked at it as a way of taking, this is what I feel like I'm doing to showing you what you're really doing. And so you think that that is without the assistance of someone in person, adjusting your wrists, adjusting your stance, adjusting your soul, whatever it may be that it's possible to improve on your own, or is there still a necessity, even with all this information provided to you to have a professional coach teach you how to play better? I would say that's twofold. Obviously, you need to learn the game of golf. And once you've refined the swing, it's that fractional difference that we talked about. So fractionally, if you're making better contact and you can see that you're not making the contact you need to, you know what you need to improve as a high-level golfer. E6 also offers a number of options inside the software paired with the Apogee Launch Monitor that helps people visualize and understand how far offline they're hitting, how much curvature is on the golf ball. And it also provides a web portal where you can see what my groupings are, what my clubs are doing. And so you can start to understand actually what's happening in your golf game. For us, the first step in improving is understanding what you're capable of. Almost any swing can go out there and be a scratch golfer, but you need to understand how far your clubs go and what your miss is. Mm. It's interesting. Um, All right. Before I let you go, I've just, since you're in the industry, I'm dying to hear everybody's opinion of this. What do you make of what's happening in professional golf right now with all of these changes that are happening with these competitive tours? That is a very big question. And golf is having its cultural moment. And I do believe that the changes ultimately are going to result in a better and more entertaining product for the consumer. 
Uh, I believe that the governing bodies at large have come to understand that the best players need to compete against each other more often. And both these tours seem to be positing that they're doing that. And, and the PGA Tour recently, I think, has stated that expressly. And so I think the television product is going to improve when we have these names competing together more often. And ultimately, I think that's good. Obviously, you know, the NBA doesn't put together the two teams no one wants to watch on Christmas Day. <laughs> it's all about, the, right? It's what we want to see are the best golfers competing at a high level against each other. And these changes seem to be pushing the sport in that direction. So that, but that will, uh, of course, like, as you know, golf has a very, very, very rich history that they've been leaning on. And one of the criticisms of the rival tours is you're not playing the tournaments the way that we used to play them on merit, where every shot matters, where a cut still occurs. Do you get the sense that the PGA tour is coming around to, we do actually have to change the way we present our product, even if it is different than how we've played this game for hundreds of years? You know, I'm not sure. And that's unfortunately not the best answer, but I do think the tour has acknowledged that the demographic and who watches golf will change and they need to find a way to get more people watching the game every week, understanding that it's going to be different now than it is in 15 years. What's the right field size and how do we make it fit a television product is, is a question that I can't answer, but I do appreciate that they're asking that question. Yeah. And it, from your perspective, like right now, what is happening is it's getting a tremendous amount of publicity again for a variety of different reasons. I can only imagine that you have to see this positively that any attention back on the highest level of golf is good for the sport, correct? Absolutely. And I also think the idea that golf needs to change and golf needs to modernize itself, that's something that we've been saying since 1999. And now it looks like the governing bodies are really looking into what's the most feasible way to make that happen. Mesa Jones is the head of marketing at True Golf. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you. Thank you. On the next Future Sport Podcast, modern content includes a culture shift to social engagement and esports. Gaming, if we take just gaming and not even think about social media for a second, gaming is worth hundreds of billions of dollars, maybe 200 billion, the last, last number that I saw. When you have a market that massive, our biggest entertainment, um, you're never going to get everyone liking the exact same thing. That's Josh Nito, CEO and co-founder of Deserto, a platform that is meant to engage young modern fans and meet them where they are, in social circles, on the internet. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.